Chapter 9 Now Him Hide and Seek The uniformed men entered the tube wearing white suits, nose masks, goggles, the works. I studied them and decided it was a bit extreme and made me wonder if this was just a case of recovering passengers from a bomb site or was there actually more to it. It was looking more and more like a mission to Mars and the sniffer dogs didn't help to dispel any misgivings. I didn't mean to be nonchalant, but in my opinion, the supposed explosion had happened. It was done. Expired. Now it was time to get out of here, and fast. They talked very loudly to each other as though their headgear was blocking sound to their ears too. They continued to ask if anyone was hurt, and clearly a number of people had been, including me. But I wasn't going to let on. The boys came up moaning and seemed to be looking for some part of their bodies which they could show and tell, and so they did. A couple of the crew stood with them and gave them their full attention whilst the others continued on. The paramedics followed suit, helping people off the train and checking their stats, and in some cases the other way around. I waited my turn, but I waved them off when they approached. Sir, we need to check if you're okay, said the spaceman. I'm fine, I just need to get off. I have a flight to catch, I responded, to which he retorted, I'm afraid you won't be going anywhere, not for a while. The police might have a few questions and we need to make sure everyone's okay. He'd made his point. I wasn't usually one to flee the law, nor had I encountered any form of lawlessness, but I was defiant and quietly refused to be part of this. In other words, I was exercising my basic human rights. But I had to be discreet. My wife, our future and our marriage, that was what I needed to get back to. And although I wasn't sure what exactly had happened, but of this, I was certain nothing was going to stop me. 30 minutes had gone by, chaos still surrounding us, and we were no closer to knowing if we were leaving or not. I was running out of time and patience. I'd been checking my phone for the last half hour for a signal so I could send Ikuba a message. I got up and made my way to a window. I knew there was no chance of getting even half a bar, but I gave it a go anyway. After a few seconds and trying to ping the right spot, a bar flashed up then disappeared again. I knew a phone call would be a waste of time, so I sent a text instead with my fingers crossed that it would go through. Hi honey, it was short, and I didn't explain much because I knew she'd be worried. I also knew that I had to find a way to leave this train. I looked around, and as if I was trapped, I needed an escape route. I tapped into what I could remember from the episodes of 24 and made my move. The adjoining door to the next carriage wasn't manned. I looked around. Again, the men in suits were busy talking amongst themselves and examining the scene. It was my chance to get away and hopefully they wouldn't come looking for me. I had to stay calm because from what I'd heard, those police dogs could smell, spot and sense panic from miles away. So I began the game. In my mind, I was already in stealth mode. I managed to get into the next carriage. I crouched down very low. Luckily, the impact in there had been minimal and the passengers had been moved to the carriage I'd left behind, soon to be out of sight. I walked quickly to the end and slipped through the door. I was in the driver's compartment. The only thing left to do was to slip out and run as quickly as possible. 
easy. I looked around again. It felt strange and almost surreal. A few hours ago, I was a confident, accomplished businessman without discord, and now I was resorting to subterfuge to reach my destination. What a damn day. At the sound of the door opening, I turned round. A spaceman had entered the carriage. It could possibly have been a woman, I couldn't tell, but I could see them through the port, his or her face completely covered with a face and nose mask. I had to jump out, and soon. I noticed the door to the left of the compartment and turned the handle. Nothing. I turned it again. I twisted the latch at the top and tried a third time. The door opened. Now I could hear the space person charge for the compartment door as I scurried away. I jumped out and landed heavily on my feet, immediately feeling pain in my left leg. It didn't stop me. I ran and didn't look back. A little while later, I stood at the top of the road, observing the scene from afar, not quite believing what was actually going on, what I was doing there. I felt the rush, the adrenaline pumping through me. I could suddenly identify with getting high or bust. Whatever the terminology, I was ready to make my next move. I watched as the police cars and ambulances drove in or away, reporters and some news crews too, all rushing around to find the best spot. They didn't seem as resolute as the crew I'd left behind. I took off my jacket and tucked it under my arm. Across the busy road was a Tesco. I crossed it and went inside. Everything and everyone carried on as normal as though they hadn't heard or seen the chaos on their doorstep. I needed to use a phone and I'd seen people do it on numerous occasions after shopping to call cabs. My phone had finally given up and died. I stopped a lady in uniform and asked if I could call a cab from there. She pointed to where the phone was hanging and as she turned away I asked, Any idea what happened over there? Pointing in the opposite direction. Oh yeah, apparently some kids were playing a practical joke. I reckon they should search everyone before they got on the train mate. Save a lot of time clearing up that mess on taxpayers hard earned cash. I nodded, agreeing and not having much to add. I went ahead and dialed for a cab. After what felt like a lifetime, I made it to the airport and to check in. Mr. McKeady, boarding is almost over, the young man at the desk warned. If you miss this, you'll have to wait till tomorrow afternoon to catch the next one out, and we're expecting very bad weather tonight. I gave him a blank stare. He had no idea what I'd been through just to get there. I grabbed my passport and headed for the gate, and as I walked across the lounge, I looked up at the television screen and the scene looked familiar. There was a picture on the top left corner of the screen, the express, the police, people hurt standing around with brown blankets over their shoulders. I thought I'd even seen Bobby and his mum too, but I carried on walking, not stopping to look at what else might be happening, and hoping that there wouldn't be any mention of me. Soon, I'd be with Ikuba and soon all this would be a closed chapter.